following program is being brought to you on the Seventh Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit SeventhWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The teachings of the Ascended Masters are universal and available to all. The Ascended Masters themselves are the saints and sages of East and West, and their teachings incorporate the original core beliefs of all the world's major religions. No matter which religious path you follow, you will find these teachings equally compelling. This is The Open Door. Come along with us as we explore the teachings of the Ascended Masters. Here are the hosts for The Open Door, Tom Schumacher and Terry Kennedy. Well, hello everyone. Welcome to Voice of the Summit Lighthouse, where we publish and practice the teachings of the Ascended Masters and where we invite you to awaken to the light within. I'm Tom Schumacher. And I'm Terry Kennedy. And I'm Sid Bennett. Oh, hi, Sid. <laughs> <laughs> well, once more into the fray, gentlemen. Everyone ready? Indeed. Uh, yep. You know, before we get started, I would like to ask our listeners a big favor. Would you please send us what you'd like to hear more of? Um, send us an email at webradio at tsl.org. That's webradio at tsl.org. And just send us just a one word, angels, uh, violet flame, ascended masters. You don't have to uh, be prolific. Don't have to uh, go and explain anything. Just send us an email. Tell us what topic you'd most like to hear more about. And if we can, we would be most happy to oblige. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, well, today, speaking of topics and our foci, our focuses, we're going to be venturing back into familiar territory. Well, it's familiar, all right, but (laughs) certainly bears repeating. Well, that's right. Today we're going to explore your divine birthright. That's each and every one of you listening to this program. You all have the potential to become one with the universal Christ. Yeah, this is truly your birthright. And where have you heard this? (laughs) To be a co-heir to the Christ consciousness. This is who you really are. Yeah. And have you been taught this reality in your church or synagogue (laughs) or in your schools? I would say probably not. (laughs) Probably not. And if you are fortunate enough to have been exposed to the real transcendent truth of your being, you are rare, blessed, but rare. And who are we to say this is true? We are students of the Ascended Masters, and simply put, we believe in the absolute truth of our higher beings because the Ascended Masters teach us this essential truth. Mm -hmm. And and these Ascended Masters include many names you've heard, Jesus, Buddha, Mother Mary, Kuan Yin, in fact, the entire Ascended host, all the great saints and sages from East and West that have returned back to God through the Ascension. Plus, we've got angels, Elohim, I mean, more than we could ever imagine. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. And we're not talking about some obscure branch of fringe spirituality here. These great saints and sages that we refer to truly represent the mainstream of spiritual thought and practice, truths that can be found in all the world's major religions and spiritual paths. Which begs the question, why is so little of this truth known to us today? (laughs) If all major religions and philosophies and spiritual paths have espoused these truths, well, what happened to them? Why are they not taught today from every altar and pulpit? 
Well, you know, Terry, instead of asking what happened, <laughs> maybe we should ask who happened. Yeah. And, of course, we're referring to our ancient nemesis, the fallen angels. Who stands to gain from our ignorance? Why, the fallen angels, of course. Those who seek to deprive us of our true inheritance are the real villains here. I believe You that. know, and without our light, which they always seek to steal because they have none of their own, these nefarious hordes could not survive. So by promoting our ignorance of our true light potential, they keep us tied to the density of human existence, earthbound and asleep. Yeah, and if we were taught properly and thoroughly about the very real existence of evil in the world, embodied principally by the fallen angels, we would have no doubt about where to look when we see their evil manifested in governments run amok, in religious fanaticism, in economic manipulation, and on and on. On and on. And when was the last time you heard a news anchor announce that uh, yesterday, the fallen angels perpetrated another terrorist attack on our embassy in wherever. Yeah, you know, the mere mention of fallen angels today usually brings derision and ridicule. No one takes their threats seriously. To most, they are no more than figments of the imagination. Oh and, you know, that's part of their plan. Exactly. To, to try and convince people they don't exist. Well, yeah. which goes to show what a terrific job they've done so far, hiding in plain sight. And the point we want to make here is not just that the fallen angels are real and real threats to our spiritual survival. The real point here is that our true divine nature has been either obscured or obliterated altogether. And as a result, we do not know that we are sons and daughters of God who share in the divine sonship taught to us by Jesus. We can certainly appreciate if you are skeptical about this, hmm. and that's fine. But if you do tend to doubt the reality of your personal Christhood as embodied by Jesus, then ask yourself this question. What's in it for us to promote your individual Christhood and latent divinity? <laughs> That's a great question. Yeah. Only your freedom. We have no other agenda. In fact, you might want to ask yourself what's in it for you to deny your divine birthright. Yeah, you know, Tom, we all have a tendency to hold on to our treasure's belief. You know, if mom and dad taught me, it must be true. Yeah. And they may have acted in very good faith. And there's a certain comfort you know, and the known. Mm -hmm. And when you turn your beliefs upside down, well, that can be discomforting. <laughs> yes, it can. Yeah. And, you know, change is always a challenge. Even freedom can be challenging when it is suddenly thrust upon you. You know, we would like to recommend that you get a copy of The Lost Teachings of Jesus and see how far you're willing to go to change your mind about your life, your limits, and your future as a co-creator with God. You know, that's right, Tom. We've <laughs> actually got numerous volumes on the subject of Jesus' lost years. And they cover the gamut. Jesus' true mission, personal Christhood, karma, reincarnation, ascension, violet flame, chakras, and yeah. on and on. <laughs> yeah, and, and like we said, these volumes cover virtually every spiritual topic you can think of without the filters of human perception, definition, judgment, or condemnation. Yep, yeah, these are the free and undiluted teachings that Jesus shared with his disciples. And most of these teachings were upheld by his followers for hundreds of years until the church fathers decided that the people who believed Jesus' teachings had a little too much personal power and needed their wings clipped. Yeah, you know, ironically, we were probably there on one side or the other on debate. But, I bet. But then to believe that, you would need to believe in reincarnation, which, of course, was one of the teachings that was altered. And around we go. Yeah, indeed. It is a challenge not to get angry at this blatant manipulation of the truth by early church fathers. But this takes us back to our discussion about fallen angels. And some of these dark ones were probably wearing the robes of church leaders. Yeah, and blatant manipulation of the truth is not a practice confined to religious <laughs> leaders either. Oh. We see it in politics, journalism, education, economics. Yeah, and as long as we are willing to make some manner of peace with half-truths, not to mention outright lives, 
lies, this bending of reality would not only survive, but thrive. And you may remember the program we did recently on the subject of the coming golden age. In that program, we spoke about how past golden age civilizations that lasted for thousands of years were destroyed by the gradual erosion of morals and principles. And sadly, this erosion took less than 50 years to unfold. Uh, you know, but one great way to counteract this decline orchestrated by the fallen one is to put on your mantle of personal Christhood. Yeah. This is how you can armor yourself against the plots and ploys of the dark forces. And this brings us right back to the central core of Jesus' lost teachings. You are meant to follow Jesus' examples. He was not the exception. He was the rule. You have been given divine sonship by God. You have a path to immortal life laid out for you if you choose to follow it. Yeah, yeah, indeed. So how can you get a copy of Jesus' Lost Teachings? Well, you can go to summituniversitypress.com and simply put Lost Years in the search bar. In seconds, you'll find a whole list of books, MP3s, and DVDs on Jesus' Lost Teachings. And you can do the same on Amazon. Just remember that the books and multimedia products you're looking for were written by... Mark and Elizabeth Clare Prophet. Indeed, except no substitutes. That's right. And remember, you owe it to yourself to at least consider a glimpse at the true magnitude of your being. Keep an open mind. You know, I can tell you as a minister who has preached and taught these truths for many years, there's something inside of us that resonates with the reality of our divine nature. Mm -hmm. And there's something in our souls that know this isn't a fairy tale or isn't too good to be the true but it is actually the truth of our being and who we really are. Oh, indeed. You know, and today, uh, in this vein, we have chosen to devote the next two segments of our program to a lecture given by Elizabeth Clare Prophet on the lost teachings of Jesus with an emphasis on your divine reality. And as an added bonus, this particular lecture also incorporates the lost teachings of Jesus' teacher, Maitreya, which merely demonstrates the lineage of truth as it is handed down from teacher to pupil through the guru-chela relationship. You know, you yourselves are part of this vast continuum of spiritual truth being passed along. I mean, do you see that? Every spiritual seeker has had that first moment of epiphany, that aha moment when a deeper level of understanding is reached, a deeper understanding that launches the student on an ever-deepening journey. And your journey has already begun, or... You wouldn't be listening to this program right now. And one of the greatest aha moments any of us can have is when we understand our divine reality. This is the key, the understanding that opens the door to a whole universe of knowledge and possibilities, the doorway of cosmic consciousness itself. And the importance of this information to your soul and your path cannot be overstated. No, it can't be overstated, but it has to be chosen. It has to be welcomed. It cannot be forced or mandated. The good news is, you don't have to go very far to realize it. In <laughs> fact, you're already there. Yeah, it's the journey without distance, or as someone once referred to it as the armchair guru. <laughs> you don't have to go anywhere but inside. Yeah. And our souls are growing weary of going down the same road over and over and over. And you know, Tom, I think there's a, there's a deep angst, if you will, in many of the people of God upon this planet, that they're, they're seeking for the truth, but it does, doesn't quite feel right. There's something that's missing. And this is what's missing. It's the true identity of who you are, that you have the Christ consciousness within you, and you can choose to embody it just as Jesus did. This doesn't make us greater than Jesus, but what it does, it says we have the same opportunity as Jesus. Well, you know, I, I think you nailed it. I think that we all have that sense, those of us who've been seeking or going down the spiritual path, that there is something missing. That there, There's obviously a gap between what we have been taught and what our souls truly know. 
And how do we find the key to unlock that? You know, I grew up in a very conservative Christian church, and there was many things about it I really loved. But I said, God, this can't be all. There's got to be more. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to know the truth. And when you make that fiat our call to the universe, it will be answered. You know, I remember something. This is a bit of a personal story, but um, I have mentioned this before. I studied to be a priest for some years. Mm-hmm. And when I left that to go back into, you know, sort of mainstream civilization, if you will, <laughs> I remember being asked at one point, why, why did you leave? And I thought, I mean, I, I said this without even thinking. I said, my God is bigger than the church. Mm-hmm. And that conversation just kind of stopped right there. <laughs> it was like, wow. oh, oh, okay. <laughs> but I realized something there, that my soul spoke those words. And I knew that there was something greater than what I was you. being taught. Yeah. I was being yeah. prompted to search outside the confines of the orthodoxy that I'd been exposed to as, as a child. And, and, you know, at some point there comes a graduation ceremony. Too. Yes, I mean, you can only take 12th grade so many times over and over and over and over Some again. of us have tried that many, yeah. many times. Yeah. But, but so that's the point, really, yeah. to graduate and make your ascension, move on. That is it. And to graduate from a pretty tough schoolroom, which we've spoken of before. The yeah. earth is no easy place no. To, to earn your stripes. Well, in any event, we've got to take a short break. But when we return, we will hear more on the subject of your divine reality in an excerpt from Elizabeth Clare Prophet on the lost teachings of Jesus. Don't go away. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Seek greater awareness. At the Summit Lighthouse, our goal is to help you awaken to the light within and discover your real self. Today, thousands of spiritual seekers all around the world are using the universal teachings of the Ascended Masters to make their higher selves a permanent part of their reality. And you can too. The Ascended Masters are the saints and sages of East and West from all major religions and spiritual paths. They have walked where you walk and understand the challenges you face, and their teachings are always practical. By applying the science of the spoken word through verbal prayers called decrees, the masters teach us how to harness the healing power of the violet flame and other spiritual energies to transform our lives and our world. On The Open Door, it is our goal and great joy to bring you Ascended Master teachings that you can apply in your life right now. To learn more about the Summit Lighthouse and the teachings of the Ascended Masters, visit us today at tsl.org and discover how you can awaken to the light within. It's what you're here to do. Remember, tsl.org. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. are listening to The Open Door, hosted by Tom Schumacher and Terry Kennedy. If you have a question or comment about our series, please send your emails to webradio at tsl.org. That's webradio at tsl.org. Now, back to The Open Door. Question, was Jesus really the only begotten Son of God? Or is it possible that he wanted us to understand that he came as the rule and not the exception? And so in the final verses of the book of John we read, This is the disciple which testifieth of these things, and wrote these things. And we know that his testimony is true. 
And there are also many other things which Jesus did, though which, if they should be written every one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that should be written. This one statement alone of John the Beloved tells us that today we do not have the complete record of the words and works of our Lord. We thirst after his righteousness, but he has promised to send us another comforter to bring to our remembrance all things whatsoever that he has taught to us. That comforter is the dove of the Holy Spirit descending upon you now, whereby from within, in the secret chamber of the heart, you know your Lord face to face. Only a small number of verses in the Bible actually record Jesus' teaching given during his three-year ministry in Palestine. For one example, the Gospels record that previous to Jesus' feeding of the 5,000, he taught them throughout the day into the evening. He healed, and yet not one of the four Gospels recount exactly what the Master taught, except for Luke's comment that Jesus spake unto them of the kingdom of God. Jesus has told me, that the kingdom of God is the consciousness of God. Do you not desire to know his teaching on that day of the things of the consciousness of God? He said the five thousand. He multiplied the loaves and fishes. Hear the great alchemy of this priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. That such an one who is our brother has walked this earth should give us joy in this age that the very air we breathe he has also breathed and his sacred breath is upon us still. We know that Jesus intentionally kept some of his teachings from the masses. The Gospel of Mark says that he taught the multitudes in parables but that he expounded all things to his disciples when they were alone. All things. That he kept nothing from us is testimony in itself that he desired us to be all that he is, ever was, would be, and is today. This imparting of the allness of himself is the true abundant heart of the Savior's love. May we claim it and know that he is truly our own, our own beloved Lamb of God, the Bridegroom of our souls. A fragment of a secret gospel of Mark, discovered in 1958 at Mar Saba, in a Greek Orthodox monastery in the Judean desert, also provides evidence of Jesus' lost teaching. Church Father Clement of Alexandria, quoting from the secret gospel, says, Mark composed a more spiritual gospel for the use of those who were being perfected. What do we learn from the canon about those who were being perfected 
very, very little. Yet it is we ourselves who are being perfected day by day. Jesus gave us the great command that modern psychology tells us it is impossible to fulfill. He said, Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father, which is in heaven, is perfect. The path of the perfecting of the soul is not the path of the perfecting of the human. The outer human is temporal and transient. Let us not make an idol of it and seek to perfect it. Let us understand the work in the interior castle and the soul's perfectionment by love, by light, by a spirit of liberty and utter self-givingness. Being perfected, the path of the initiates of the Far East. He left his composition to the church in Alexandria, where it even yet is most carefully guarded, being read only to those who are being initiated into the great mysteries. This is the secret gospel of Mark that was left to this church, of which Clement writes. So it has endured to this time, endured the purgings and the anathemas and the cursings of those early writings and traditions that came down to us from the circle of the disciples. We can only ask how many other secret gospels were written down that have not been recovered or never shall be. We can thank God that there is more than earthly writing that can deliver to us the full cup of Jesus' writing and teaching. We are not bereft. We are not without the holiness of God. For he has given to us his word that lives forever, and we are flame of his very flame. As far as Jesus' post-resurrection teaching goes, we have no record of what he taught the disciples, not in the upper room during the 40 days between his resurrection and ascension. According to early sources, Jesus taught longer than 40 days. The second century church father Irenaeus says that Jesus lived at least 10 to 20 years after the resurrection. Why haven't our priests told us this? Imagine a 33-year life and a three-year mission now extended by 10 to 20 years. Jesus teaching into his 50s, his apostles. The third century Gnostic text, Pistis Sophia, claims that he spent 11 years discoursing with his disciples before his ascension. Therefore, we can speculate that Jesus, when he was taken up from us and a cloud received him out of our sight, desired after his resurrection and after the crucifixion before it to remove himself from public view, to conclude an outer ministry wherein he had given what could be given for the Piscean age to the multitudes and to retire with his disciples to impart those mystery teachings whereby they too might drink of the same fount and be filled with the same Christ, the anointing Christos. 
We know from the writings of the Church Fathers that there was once a vigorous oral tradition that carried Jesus' teaching. Some of it was recorded by a bishop named Papias, who died in about 155 A.D. O Papias, return, for you have the secrets in your heart. Papias wrote down every account of Jesus' teachings and sayings and unknown parables that he was able to glean from those who had personally known Jesus or his disciples. You can imagine this scribe so devoted, going here and there and everywhere. He wrote volumes, volumes of teachings. A few fragments have survived to the present day. Oh, <laughs> there's a lot more where that came from, but I'm reminded that it's actually kind of a shame that the uh, shepherd or peasant who found the Dead Sea Scrolls actually tried to burn them before his mother stopped him. I guess they burned about half. Well, the, the Nagamati, a lot of that Nagamati. were burned. Yeah. 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 Well, in any event, please stay with us because we've got more of that lecture coming up after a short break. Visionary. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Right now, all over the world, Warriors of Light are working tirelessly to defend your soul's opportunity to achieve oneness with God. These spiritual warriors are keepers of the flame, and though few, the power they wield is greater than all of the weapons made by man. Founded by St. Germain in 1961, Keepers of the Flame is a non-denominational fraternity in the tradition of ancient spiritual orders. When you join, you'll receive a series of lessons that will introduce you to a vast and dynamic spiritual world. See for yourself. Access Lesson 1 right now, completely free, no login required. Simply go to tsl.org slash keepers, and in seconds you could be exploring a whole new world of practical Ascended Master teachings. Lessons are printed or available online for any time, anywhere access, and anyone can join. Discover your real self and explore your full spiritual potential. Become a Keeper of the Flame today and awaken to the light within. Please visit tsl.org slash keepers and prepare to accelerate. This is the 7th Wave Channel on the Voice America Network. You are listening to The Open Door, hosted by Tom Schumacher and Terry Kennedy. If you have a question or comment about our series, please send your emails to webradio at tsl.org. That's webradio at tsl.org. Now, back to The Open Door. And welcome back, everyone. We now continue with more excerpts from Elizabeth Clare Prophet's lecture on your divine reality and the lost teachings of Jesus. And please play, pay close attention because this may well be what your soul has been longing to hear for a very long time. Some of Jesus' teachings may have been lost unintentionally through scribal errors in the process of copying and recopying the Bible. But we also know that the New Testament was edited intentionally by those who sought to preserve for posterity the viewpoints and doctrines they believed were correct. 
Codex Sinaiticus, one of the oldest existing copies of the Bible, made about 340 A.D., differs from the version of the Bible that has come down to us today. If you look at the first chapter of Mark's Gospel in your Bible, you will see that a leper says to Jesus, If you will, you can make me clean. Codex Sinaiticus continues, Jesus, angry, stretched out his hand and touched him and said, I will be clean. In later manuscripts made after 340 AD, the word angry was changed to move with compassion. The copyists who thought they knew what was intended did not understand the true meaning of the word angry. The righteous indignation, the intense release of the sacred fire for the binding and exorcism of the demons of the leper. If Jesus was truly angry in a human sense, one can feel the defying of him by those demons that speak through those who are possessed in an insolent and degrading manner, a mockery of a living Christ that is about to bind them. Any of you who have worked with disturbed people know exactly what I'm speaking of. And it does require a certain mastery to direct one's love to the victim and to direct one's fire to the possessing entity and to remember the difference. Yet we are deprived of this precious element of Jesus' nature, something divine and something perhaps human that might make us feel that much closer to our Lord. The fact of the matter is that the New Testament manuscripts we possess today differ from each other in over 250,000 ways. Need we wonder any longer why Jesus sealed his dictation to John in the book of Revelation with the warning, For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book, if any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. And if any man shall take away from the words of the book out of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. I can tell you that without exception, when I am interviewed on talk shows and the telephone lines are opened, I have good Christians quoting to me these verses and saying that in the teaching that I am giving, I am adulterating the Bible and therefore subject to the wrath of this censure that is written in Revelation. They do not realize that the tampering has already taken place, that they have been stripped of the good wheat and the heart and the essence of the kernel of truth and been left with a chaff. They do not understand how the selection of the canon was made to exclude the inner walk with Jesus. They have no idea how burdened they are by the very wolves in sheep's clothing who have come in and done to that scripture what is prophesied in Revelation. And they had already done it by the fourth century. And yet we come today to restore those teachings, to give the light of Christ its living essence back to his dear followers. And they, having lost the vibration of the word by this very tampering, cannot even receive it 
and therefore proverbially will bite the hand that feeds them. I ask you to pray for those who have lost the word and know not that they have lost it, to feed the sheep of the Lord and to understand that the bread of life which came down from heaven in Jesus is present today in you and that you must break this bread and share it, share it by light and example and a profound love that does not fear to wrestle with that very force of Antichrist that has crept into the churches to deceive the people and the pastors and the ministers of God themselves. Without being servile, we must also say, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Some of Jesus' teachings also could have been lost in the process of the setting of the canon. The selection of approved scriptures that make up the Bible took place between the second and fourth centuries. It was during this period of time that writings which were considered heretical by the church fathers were severely criticized and suppressed. Some of the prime targets of this persecution were Christian Gnostics. The early church fathers wrote literally volumes of books describing Gnostic teachings and refuting their so-called blasphemies. Yet very few of the Gnostics' own works have survived. In fact, their writings were so thoroughly suppressed that until the last 50 years we possessed only a handful of their original works. Then in 1945, an Arab peasant accidentally discovered over 50 Gnostic texts in an earthen jar buried near a huge boulder at Nag Hammadi, Egypt. The Nag Hammadi manuscripts were made in about 350 to 400 AD, but the originals from which they were copied date back to the second century. Scholars believe that in at least one case, the Gospel of Thomas, the manuscripts could include traditions from the second half of the first century, which is the same period of time in which the four Gospels were written down. Scholar Frederick Wyss has surmised that the monks at the monastery of St. Pacomius may have buried these manuscripts in the fourth century when the Archbishop of Alexandria, Athanasius, decreed that all apocryphal books reflecting heretical ideas be purged. It was not until 1977, over 1600 years later, that a full English translation of the Nag Hammadi Library was finally published. Some of the Gnostic works are very exciting to read because in them we recognize the threads of eternal truth that have run through the mystery schools of the Great White Brotherhood from ancient times. The same truths with Jesus Christ and the Ascended Masters are restoring to us today. The same truths that come down to us through the traditions of Buddhism, of Gautama Buddha, Maitreya, Padma Sambhava. Thus we see in the real heart of the teachings of the universal Christ that those religions that have been initiated by that light, both East and West, in all centuries and civilizations, present to us the same divine reality, the same option for union with God. 
As you know, Gnosticism comes from the Greek word gnosis, meaning knowledge or understanding. It is an umbrella term that describes a number of different religious groups that were most active in the second century AD, at a time when Christianity was characterized more by its diversity than by a unified body of beliefs. Scholars believe that the origins of Gnosticism may be pre-Christian because the several streams of Gnostic thought reflect Hellenic, Oriental, Iranian, and Egyptian philosophic tendencies, including those of Hermes Trismegistus. Does this make Christianity any less a synthesis of divine truth, the heart of the divine doctrine of the living Savior? It only confirms that the truth is true because it has always been and that it has always been accessible to all people who meditated in their hearts in love upon that higher mind. One scholar has even gone so far as to call Christianity an episode in the history of Gnosticism, and so it is an episode in the history of self-knowledge, self-definement, self-discovery. Among the Christian Gnostics, there was a diversity of views and lifestyles. Some were strictly ascetic, others were accused of being morally licentious. But in general, they did share a common belief that the means to salvation was through gnosis or knowledge. This was not knowledge in the sense of worldly wisdom, but rather a knowledge of the universe and their destiny in it, a knowledge of God a knowledge of the self, a knowledge of how the two became separated and how the union was to take place. Some Gnostics were openly antagonistic to the organized church. Others considered themselves fully a part of it and held prominent positions in Christian communities. Among their fellow Christians, the Gnostics claimed to offer a higher, more advanced teaching that had been handed down to them from Jesus and his close circle of disciples. Today we will look at the Gnostic teaching on your divine reality. The famous Gnostic formula expressed by the Gnostic teacher Theodotus in the mid-second century embodies the essence of their quest for that reality. He wrote and he might have been writing today to you, the disciples of Christ. What liberates is the knowledge of who we were, what we have become, where we were, whereinto we have been thrown, whither we are hastening, from what we are being released, what birth is and what is rebirth. Put in the simplest terms, the Gnostics asked three fundamental questions. Who is God? Who is Jesus Christ? And in relationship to the two, what is man? These are the same questions that are foundational to the teaching on the sacred mystery of self revealed in the chart of your divine self that you now see on the screen. This chart reveals the presence of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit as the potential of each and every one of us. 
the unfolding of the succession of these three bodies of the Son of Man becomes a part of the quest and the path of discipleship as day by day through communion in the word and the work of the Lord the word being the Alpha the work being the Omega the spirit the matter the blood and the body integrating with these in our souls we put on and realize portion by portion and measure by measure the light of the Father above the universal Son in the center and the Holy Spirit that is the flame that burns on the altar of our hearts the Gnostics answered these three basic questions very differently than the Orthodox Christians of their time scholar Elaine Pagels in her book the Gnostic Gospels has delineated the major differences between the Gnostic teachings revealed in the Nag Hammadi library and the traditional Christian viewpoint that has come down to us today her works are primer and foundational to understanding the Gnostic Gospels I highly recommend them to you so that you can follow the advice of the Apostle Paul to Timothy to be a workman rightly dividing the word of truth um, kind of hate to leave you there that's <laughs> such a tease but the last teachings of Jesus um, contain a lot of this information and much more and you will really enjoy it if you can find a copy through summeruniversitypress.com or Amazon it's there now up next our weekly Q&A and once again we are joined by Reverend Sidney Bennett please stay with us The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Be extraordinary. Be the change. At the Summit Lighthouse, our goal is to help you awaken to the light within and discover your real self. Today, thousands of spiritual seekers all around the world are using the universal teachings of the Ascended Masters to make their higher selves a permanent part of their reality. And you can too. The Ascended Masters are the saints and sages of East and West from all major religions and spiritual paths. They have walked where you walk and understand the challenges you face. And their teachings are always practical. By applying the science of the spoken word through verbal prayers called decrees, the masters teach us how to harness the healing power of the violet flame and other spiritual energies to transform our lives and our world. On The Open Door, it is our goal and great joy to bring you Ascended Master teachings that you can apply in your life right now. To learn more about the Summit Lighthouse and the teachings of the Ascended Masters, visit us today at tsl.org and discover how you can awaken to the light within. It's what you're here to do. Remember, tsl.org. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. are listening to The Open Door, hosted by Tom Schumacher and Terry Kennedy. If you have a question or comment about our series, please send your emails to webradio at tsl.org. That's webradio at tsl.org. Now, back to The Open Door. 
Yes, I'm back indeed, and we are happy to welcome Sid Bennett once again to help us explore the subject of our real selves. Hi, Sid. Hi, Sid. You know, before we go any further, we want to make sure you, our listeners, know that we welcome your questions and comments. As we said at the top of the show, we invite you to send us an email, send us a word, uh, let us know what you'd like to hear more about, okay, Terry? That's right, that's right, and we want to double up on what that that nice (laughs) lady's voice just said, too, you know. We want to make sure... We're giving you what you want. So please, please <laughs> send your questions and comments to us at webradio at tsl.org, webradio at tsl.org. And we promise not to use your name on the air. No, we won't do that. But we do promise to answer your questions as fully as we can. And speaking of questions, let's start with this one, okay? We were told that we need, to, we need the lost teachings on our divine reality because we are not fulfilling our reason for being. How do we know what our reason for being is? You know, planet Earth today is a confusing place to live. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of adjectives we could use, but certainly confusing. That's, that's is a one good of one. Them. That's a good confusing one. because we don't really know who we are, where we're going. We hear the media, we hear the, the Orthodox churches or whatever tell us who we are, what we should be doing, what we should be thinking. And, you know, because so many of us are so sincere and so devout, we accept this, and we say, well, they must know more than I do. Yeah. And unfortunately, this has kept from us the true identity of who we really are. There was a weight of condemnation upon the Christians and the light bearers on this planet. You're worthless sinners. You know, you know <laughs> if, if, if less Jesus came, you would be just in outer darkness, and you know, we deserve it kind of thing. So yeah. it's hard to feel that we have a divine potential. Mm-hmm. And yet there's something within us that says, knows that, that there's more to what we have here. So how do we know what our reason for being is? Mm-hmm. Well, first of all, have an open mind and an open heart to God. If orthodoxy doesn't teach you the truth, then allow God to teach you the truth, to speak to your heart, to confirm within you what is true. Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. It's a vibration. It's an inner confirmation. And when you hear the truth of how the uh, Christian teachings were doctored and altered throughout uh, the early church, and then you understand now the teaching of the ascended masters that we are meant to be like Jesus, to follow him, to walk in his footsteps, not, you know, to be as equal in one sense, but in another sense to be as equal because we have the opportunity to become the Christ. And so this requires a willingness to give up our so-called cherished beliefs, what your neighbor believes and your friends and in your church believe and will certainly criticize for you if you reject, and yet be honest with yourself and honest with your God and have the courage to realize and to accept that you have the potential to be God in manifestation through your ascension. And that changes everything, the way we live, the way we think, the way we do. (laughs) It's very humbling because, remember, it's not the human that's going to do this. It's the Christ within us. So that's kind of a... Uh, a, a snapshot, if you will, that we must be willing to know the truth and we must be willing to act on it. And you know what? When you reach that point, it is very exciting. It's suddenly the heavens open up <laughs> to what the possibilities are. Yeah, we'll, and and well, you know, I, I, had, uh, I heard someone once say, uh, take your beliefs and put them on a, a library shelf that is very close to you within arm's reach so that you can reach that Belief again if you wish to, but leave your mind open for yeah. for what's new. <laughs> now, here's a key, uh, Sid. The only begotten Son of God is the universal Christ. How has this concept become so misunderstood? Well, again, we'll go back to the early church. You know, in the Council of Nicaea around 324, 323 A.D. is when the Nicaean Creed came. And, of course, that's, the, that's sort of the pass uh, word, if you will, for Christians today. You have to accept the Nicaean Creed. Mm-hmm. Well, if you look what it says, 
Jesus is the only Son of God, mm-hmm. okay? Yeah. So right there, when you recite that creed, you're affirming that I can't be like Jesus because he's the only Son of God. So you can see what a powerful tool that was in the, in the hands of the early church. First of all, you can't be God. Only Jesus can be God. And secondly, Jesus has given the keys of the kingdom to the church. So you better do what we tell you. You better believe what we tell you. <laughs> and, of course, it's a, it's a tremendous control mechanism. You know, I was sharing this teaching on reincarnation and so forth with someone recently that was a devout Catholic. And they were very open to it and very, you know, I just said, I know that's true, but she said, you know what, I feel guilty even listening to you. Oh, the church oh, had wow. such a control over them. Oh, so yeah. be willing to honor your soul and your heart that tells you you are not a worthless sinner. You have the potential to follow Jesus, and that is what he really came for to teach you. Yeah. You know, you talk about um, guilt, and we've all, those of us in this, in the West in particular, have felt this yeah. a little bit. As an ex-Catholic, I can tell you that that was a lever that was um, very successfully used on me. Um, we have something, uh, we've talked about this many, many times, and it's something that always bears repeating. We have a wonderful tool. We have the violet flame, which is the tool for transmutation for the Aquarian age. I mean, how important is this? Well, you know, we all feel badly about mistakes we've made. Yeah. And, and that's in this embodiment. <laughs> yeah, God, right. God only knows what we've done in other embodiments. <laughs> so it's, it's separating yourself from the sin. In other words, we may have sinned, but that doesn't make us sinners. So the sin is karma that must be balanced. And so if you look at it somewhat objectively, not that you don't feel a burden for the, the pain and hurt you've caused, but that it needs to be balanced. If we do nothing, remember, karma is a universal law like gravity. It comes back just the way you send it up. In fact, it, it gains some more of itself, and so that's <laughs> always a challenge. Yikes. But there is a mitigation. There is the mercy and grace of God, and that is the violet flame. It allows you to repolarize and transmute the negative aspects of this energy that you sent forth through word, act, or deed mm-hmm. back to its original pristine state. So when that karma comes back, it's transmuted. It may be 100% transmuted, or it may be mitigated to the point where your discomfort is very minor, emotionally or physically, compared to what the karma was. Mm-hmm. And, of course, as we said before, sometimes God allows karma to come back because we need to learn lessons yeah. and understand that. And, you know, karma is a good way of doing that. <laughs> yeah. So you can either allow yourself to be a victim of your karma and get tossed to and fro, and like the, like the Hindus believe, take 100,000 years to balance before you get back to God, so what's the hurry? Or you can take charge and say, God has given me this tool. I'm going to devote myself to following the path of my personal Christhood. And look what God has given me. It says, violet flame. If I invoke it and call it forth, it can right so many wrongs I made. History can be changed, not only in this life, but in other lifetimes. But again, as we said before, unless you choose to use it, it doesn't do you any good at all. Yeah. Yeah. A tool is only as good as its use is applied. Yeah. And here's a, here's a thought I think might be on the minds of some of our listeners. Mm-hmm. Does our recognition of our universal Christhood somehow diminish the Christhood of Jesus? Absolutely not. I've shared before, that was one of my fears when I came to teach at Santa Master. Somehow Jesus was going to be, you know, put in a lower, lower place. Right. And it's really the opposite when you think about it. People that believe Jesus came forth as the perfect son of God, well, what's the big deal? You know, <laughs> what was so hard, you know? Right. Uh, I, you know, he already was perfect, so, you know, what did right. he really accomplish? But when you understand Jesus was a soul on a path just like us, obviously with greater attainment, mm-hmm. and he was chosen to be the world's savior, but it was not easy for him. He had to strive, he had to work, he had karma in his other embodiments, and even a little bit when he came into his final embodiment. Uh-huh. So it's a greater understanding of the mastery of this soul and what he did and his love for us. And I can tell you, that the ascended masters still refer to him as their savior. 
Wow. And so throughout eternity, Jesus will always be our Savior. He will always be the Savior of this planet. And one that has loved us enough, he held the balance for our karma the past 2,000 years so that we would have a chance to gain that mastery and now the knowledge of the violet flame so we wouldn't be swept away by this onslaught. And this, we all got big karma, let's face it, folks. Right. And so <laughs> accept it, and now but we have the opportunity to do something about it. Jesus has saved me to this day so that I can use the violet flame and study the teachings of the Seven Masters and balance my karma and, by God's grace, make my ascension. So Jesus is never going to be demoted in my sight, I can tell you that. That's well, right. certainly not. In Ascension, as you mentioned earlier, Terry, is, this is graduating. Yes. You know? So, yes. you know, when we do finally embrace our true divine natures and graduate, where do we go? Well, where do you want to go, I guess? <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, the universe and my father's house are many mansions. Mm-hmm. We can't begin in this plane to conceive of the opportunity that God has for us to grow and expand throughout eternity. We will always grow. We'll always transcend ourselves because God always transcends himself. I mean, it's the most exciting thing you can possibly imagine. You know, when I wake up in the morning and I got low back pain and I feel like, you know, where's the coffee, you know? It doesn't seem like, you know, I'm a divine being. But, but, you know, we're just playing a role here. We're balancing our karma. We're doing something necessary. We've made this karma in time and space. We've got to balance it in time yeah. and space. Let's mm-hmm. do it and let's get on you yeah. know, with what God has in store for us. I mean, I'm, I'm excited. Me too. Yeah. I, I hear you. Yep. <laughs> uh, what do the Ascended Masters have to say about the relative severity of our earthly schoolroom? I mean, is this an easy school or, or maybe is it one of the tougher ones? Well, what do you think, Terry? <laughs> I think it's one of the tougher ones. <laughs> Me too. You know it is. Yeah. Hands are going up all through the room here. <laughs> Earth, Earth is known as a dark star. You know, and that doesn't mean there aren't wonderful people of God on this planet, because there are. It just means that the fallen angels, we have allowed the fallen angels to come here and to, to, to fool us for eons, literally. Yeah. Going mm-hmm. back, as we talked in the golden age, to, to the fall of man. And, you know, as long as we allow that to go on, it's going to go on. And until we take our stand and say, thus far and no farther, we invoke the presence of Archangel Michael, because these are still powerful beings. You yes, know? they are. But Archangel Michael is greater. He threw him out of heaven. He can throw him out again. Yeah. <laughs> and take our stand and said, the earth is the Lord's. It's not the fallen angels. Right. And so this dark star is meant to be known as freedom star. Yeah. That yeah. is the destiny of this planet if we choose to embrace it. Good. Oh, I love that. I do, too. <laughs> you know, we speak with such passion. You know, we are inspired by the teachings of the Ascended Masters. And for those listening who may be unfamiliar with the Ascended Masters, they are not spirit guides, nor do they do channeling. How are the Ascended Masters' teachings conveyed to us, Sid? Well, I think this is important to understand because it is different. It's not channeling. Uh, Elizabeth Clare Prophet and Mark Prophet literally prepared for thousands of years and, what, probably hundreds of lifetimes to be at the point where they could be the instrument to deliver this word. They're fully conscious when they give their dictations. They're aware of what's going on around them. And the masters are able to use them because of how they've been trained and, and uh, prepared themselves and made themselves a pure chalice. They were human beings like you and me. They made mistakes. They did things they probably regret they did. Mm-hmm. But they were still able to bear the light of the release of these teachings. And, you know, how do you know they're true? study them, read them, have God show you whether they're true. That's how we knew. It's not because we say it or someone else says it. Experience them. They resonate within you. As I said before, Jesus spoke, my sheep know my voice. Don't be afraid of the truth. Don't be afraid to be different from your neighbor. Don't be afraid to take your stand for who you are and recognize and understanding the opportunity it is there. Don't lose it. Sid, you have a gift for wrapping things up so nicely. <laughs> and at the perfect time, too, because another hour 
has just vanished. I, and I got <laughs> questions I want to ask. I know. We've got a ton of questions. But we'll save them. We have, we'll have an okay. opportunity, I'm sure. But for today, we need to wrap things up. Yes. So, as always, we want to thank you, Sid, for joining us today. Yeah, it's always my pleasure. Yeah, and we want to thank you out there for joining us. Uh, and once again, if you have any questions or concerns, send them to us at webradio at tsl.org. And in my radio voice, that's webradio at tsl.org. <laughs> Would you do that again, Terry? <laughs> that's webradio at tsl.org. I love that. <laughs> and we'll, we'll do our best to answer you promptly. Oh, and in the meantime, remember, though the upward path may be difficult, the rewards are out, out of, of this, this world. world. Thanks, everyone. God bless you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you again for joining us this week for The Open Door. This program is broadcast live every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on 7th Wave Network. For more information about The Open Door and the Summit Lighthouse, please visit our website at www.tsl.org. We'll see you again next week.